Hi, everybody, and welcome to the first real episode of the Water Women podcast. My name is Jill, and I'm your host and also the creator of this podcast. Today, we're going to be talking to Nicole Levitt-Kennedy, who's my boss, but also a friend. I've worked for Nicole for almost four years now at Island Quest Marine Whale Watch and St. Andrew's Sport Fishing. I've loved every second of working with Nicole, and I've learned so much from her about all the different whales and the sharks and other species that we have here in the Bay of Fundy. Nicole grew up around the ocean, so she found her love of it quite early on in age and stuck with it and made it her passion and later on her career, which I think is super cool. Now Nicole works for her family-owned business of Island Quest Whale Watching and St. Andrew's Sport Fishing, and she does shark tagging off of the St. Andrew's Sport Fishing boat to learn more about the species of shark in the bay, but you'll hear all about that in a second talking to her. Before we jump into talking to Nicole, I would like to let you guys know that we do have social media for this podcast. You can follow us on Instagram at Water Women Podcast, on Twitter at Water Women Pod, and on Facebook, you can search us up at Water Women Podcast. We'd love for you to give us a follow on any of those platforms to keep up with all the brand new exciting things that we have coming with this podcast. This is just the first of many, so stay tuned. And now, let's jump in with Nicole. So hi, Nicole. How are you today? I'm very well. Thanks so much for having me today, Jill. Oh, I'm so excited to have you on. So as I said before, Nicole is my boss at Island Quest, but she's also more of a friend than anything. We are definitely <laughs> kindred hearts, kindred spirits. We're a lot alike. A lot of people ask for sisters on the boat, and I love it. It makes me really they happy. They do. So you did grow up around the ocean. Do you think that played a role in you getting into marine sciences or how did you get into this like how did you find this path absolutely so um being from St. Andrews I spent a lot of time in the intertidal zone that was like my big first intro into the ocean mom and dad would take me down to the beach when I was little 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 and we would look under the seaweed and look for crabs and periwinkles and all of the cool critters um but I come from a long line of fishermen actually lobstermen Uh, So my dad uh, is a seventh generation lobsterman, so we have a very long history of being on the ocean and a passion and love uh, for everything ocean related. So uh, my choice for marine science as a career, a path, uh, it wasn't even a choice. It was just, I knew what I wanted to do ever since I was little. There was, there was no choice. It is what it is. (laughs) You just knew what it, like there was, it's what you were doing. Yep. That was my goal. And, uh. You know, I got through university uh, with, you know, the marine science background, and I knew I just wanted to keep continuing it. So here we are. So your family owns the uh, Island Quest Whale Watch and St. Andrew's Sport Fishing. When did they, when did that start? How did, how did it start? So my parents started uh, Island Quest uh, Marine Whale Watching in 1999. Um, So I was fairly young then. Um, So I actually uh, started guiding on board the boat when I was quite young so that was a lot of fun but uh, no dad retired from lobster fishing with my grandfather um, prior to that and dad uh, is a master boat builder as well so he has a huge passion for the ocean and and for boat building so he decided that he wanted to build a boat and take people whale watching uh, yeah so that is uh, that's what we did so dad actually built uh, our boat from the ground up and away we went in May of 1999. 
It's a beautiful boat. My favorite, probably. I think <laughs> the best boat. It is a beautiful boat. Dad has a very good eye for design. <laughs> and when did the sport fishing start? Uh, so sport fishing began, I believe, in 2007. Okay. Um, so dad, again, getting back to the whole being a fisherman thing, dad loves whale watching, but his passion is is fishing as well. Yeah. Um, and so dad started fishing um, for different species in this area, such as cod, um, haddock, uh, like a wide variety of things. Yeah. Flounder being my favorite. Um, but uh, dad started fishing and we started actually seeing a lot of sharks when we were fishing. And dad came to me, I was in university at the time, um, doing my bachelor's degree in science, came to me and asked me about the sharks, you know, what's going on here? Are they here year round? What species are we seeing? You know, where are they going from here? How are they utilizing the bay? Um, and I didn't really have any answers for them. So I went searching and I came into contact with uh, Dr. Turnbull from UMBSJ. And uh, Dr. Turnbull thought that we could make a great partnership in the fact that, you know, we have the fishing expertise and Dr. Turnbull has, you know, all of the science background with myself kind of being the intermediary. Yeah. And uh, we decided to catch, tag, and release sharks in the bay. Yeah, that's so cool. So we do have six different kinds of sharks here. We do. But you guys focus specifically on poor beagles? We do, yes. So uh, poor beagles, or lamnanesus, is our species of interest. Um, yes. That is the species of shark that we see most commonly in the bay. Uh, here in our area, a lot of the times, they are they're misjudged uh, as either whites or um, thrasher sharks, um, which is the yeah. common, common thought here in the bay. But uh, as you mentioned, we do have a number of species here, uh, and poor beagles seem to be the most common. So I know they're your species of interest, and I know that they're protected in Canadian waters, but just across the bay in American waters, they're not protected. So how does that affect this <laughs> tagging? So we actually, uh, we, we fish quite close to the American border. We have a lot of success in certain areas. Um, and we will do everything in our power to ensure that our sharks, um, when, our, when they're caught and, and when they're being tagged, um, are being kept um, as healthy as possible. Absolutely. And upon release, we want to make sure that our sharks um, look good uh, and that they're ready to go and continue on in their life. Um, but saying that, uh, not everyone has the same goals uh, for sharks in the bay. They do see what we do by catching and releasing them. So unfortunately, there are other fishermen that will go out specifically to catch and kill sharks. And that is very close to here as we're, you know, literally a stone's throw uh, from the U.S., the border yeah. of the U.S. So it's hard to see because we're working so diligently in trying to increase awareness about how important sharks are. Um, for the ecosystem, and especially here in the Bay of Fundy, we're, we're seeing, you know, a decrease uh, in a number of animals, species di distribution and other things like that. But um, it's 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 been a long fight, to be honest, because we do see sharks that are being killed every single summer while Absolutely. we're out. So it's, it's, it's hard, but we're doing our best to uh, educate the public on how important sharks are. I love that. So what makes sharks so vital to, like, ecosystems? Because you've heard the quote of, like... Uh, good reef will always have sharks around there so what is it that makes them such a like a keystone species well sharks are important they keep uh, fish populations very healthy um we've had a lot of white sharks actually over the last few years and they're you know they're apex apex predators Absolutely. you know not just the white sharks but all of the species of sharks that we have here um, you know, they help clean up um, the populations. They are helping decompose dead whales in our area. So there's there's many factors that go into so how important uh, sharks are for our region. So we have those six sharks. It's the poor beagle, the white, the thresher, the blue, 
What am I forgetting? Um, so we... The Mako. Grayfin Mako. Uh, the Shortfin Mako. Shortfin Mako. Yep. Oh, always yep. mess so that up. So Whites, Threshers, Poor Beagles, uh, Makos, Blues, and then we also have... Basking sharks. That is correct. Basking sharks. So those are the the, the big main six, but we also have some little smaller sharks too, really? right? Um, so there are more than six, but the large six pelagic species are the ones that you mentioned. Yes. So do you have a favorite of them? Well, the poor beagles maybe. <laughs> yeah, it, it definitely has to be the poor beagles out of the oh out of all of the sharks that I've had the chance to meet in my lifetime, which has been a fair few. Fair few. Yeah. Um, I would definitely say the poor beagles are my favorite. I love that. Yeah. So with this the partnership with you and with Dr. Turnbull and UMB what have you guys found have you have any I know it's an ongoing kind yep. of thing but yep. what have you found so far um so what we're doing is we're placing we've placed satellite tags so um we've we have spot tags and PSAT tags that are out uh and then we're also floy tags so they're just essentially ID tags so that's okay. a recapture thing or if they're recited again we're in hopes that people will see the names and number on the tag and, and give us a call hopefully um which we have had some come back to us um but what we we've um, gleaned so far from the research that we've done is that the sharks are a lot more migratory than we thought that they were so really? we've actually yeah we've tracked our sharks um, as far south as Cape Cod oh wow yeah and uh, as far north as uh, Newfoundland waters which has been really really cool that's so, so cool yeah so they're utilizing the bay in, in quite an interesting way and part of what we're finding so far um, with all of the sharks that we're catching is majority of the sharks that are being caught for us are female sharks and they're all quite a bit larger than the male sharks that we're catching. Um, so about 95% have been female and about 5% have been male. And um, out of all of the sharks, um, the males have been the, you know, the smallest. So why do you think you're catching so many more females than males? <sighs> that, that is a very hard question because there are a lot of variables uh, that can true. go into that. Um, but it could be that they're uh, coming into the Bay of Fundy to feed, um, to grow, because our, our sharks are ranging in size from about 6 feet for the females all the way up to almost 10 feet. And the males range in size from about 5 to about 7. So it's possible that they're utilizing the Bay of Fundy as an area to come and kind of bulk up. Um, we have a good food sources here for them. Uh, so it's we think what's happening is they're coming, you know, kind of getting away from the big boys and coming into the Bay of Fundy to feed until they're ready to interact um, interact with the larger males and ready to yeah. reproduce. Um, most of the females that we're catching don't have a lot of scarring um, on their pecs, uh, their pectoral fins, um, or around their body. So usually what happens in shark reproduction is that the males will actually bite onto the females as they're oh, trying wow. to reproduce. Um, and we're not seeing any of that scarring with uh, the females that we're catching. So we, we believe that they're coming into the bay to kind of bide their time before reproduction. Cool. That's so cool. I yeah, never do that. That's yeah, super cool. Yeah, it's very neat. So the bay is home to a lot of different animals and like the whales we see quite often and the sharks. What do you think makes it such a good place for them? Why do they come here? Why? Why? <laughs> so um, the Bay of Fundy is such a unique place and one of the big things that people when they come and visit us, especially aboard the whale watching boat, they can't get over how dark the water is here. So our waters are very, very dark, very green. Uh, that means that our waters are very rich. They're uh, you know, full of life. Uh, you go down to the Caribbean, you know, it's clear, it's beautiful, it's, you know, really pristine. Pretty. Yeah, yeah, then you like to think that it's pristine. Um, yeah, but that means that it's devoid of life. If you're going to see life, for the most part, it's usually around the reef systems, and it's the reef system that that provides the, the productivity Absolutely. as opposed to the Bay of Fundy, which, you know, we are productive from top to bottom. So we have uh, a lot of 
growth within our water column. Um, so it makes it a great place for um, filter feeders, planktivores, um, and again, that starts from the bottom up. So we are a highly productive ecosystem that is capable of supporting many different species. Absolutely, yeah. So out of all your years out on the bay, what's been some of the coolest things you've seen with whales or with sharks and fishing, anything like that? Um, so things that pop to mind right now, um, some of the coolest things that I've seen, of course, are they have to be sharks, um, shark related. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the shark stuff is always really cool. Uh, having uh, witnessed great white shark predations, that's quite amazing. Um, so seeing an actual, you know, yeah. approximately 10 to 12 foot great white shark come out of the water and take a, a seal right in front of your eyes. Yeah, we had a couple of those this summer. We did, yes. Yeah, so we so had cool. uh, five documented white shark predations. That's um, only five documented. you got to think about how many are like actually happening that, too. Those were the ones that we literally witnessed with our own eyes. Um, Man, why didn't I work those days? <laughs> there will be more. I more opportunities. So. But, uh, yeah, so we have five uh, confirmed uh, video-documented white shark predations. Um, So that was absolutely amazing to be able to witness. That's, you know, your National Geographic moment. Um, But if we flip over to the whales, there's been so many moments. Again, you know, we've been doing this for 22 years now. So there's just so much stuff to think of. But um, really what comes to mind um, are the interactions between moms and babies um, when you see uh, those pairs. Um, We've been very fortunate enough to witness um, mother and calf right whale pairs uh, in the bay. So that's quite amazing. Um, It's really cool to, to see and to hear hear the whales we hear vocalizations occasionally um so to hear the humpbacks um making those vocalizations are just phenomenal and and to hear uh the north atlantic right whales as well but saying that you know those are big names out there you know everyone knows what a humpback is and everyone a lot of people know what north atlantic right whales are um but i have to give a little love to our smaller whales as well which are of course our rock stars the minky whales the minky whales (laughs) yep so we stinky minkies stinky minkies yep our loving little little whales so um there's been so many amazing moments with those guys and there's actually Rudolph is actually still here in the bay I just got reports really yeah that Rudolph is, is still here uh, feeding off of Spruce Island so um, those guys are so close to my heart because they are the whales that are here sometimes year round uh, so we get to spend the most time with those whales and they're typically the most active so they're usually the ones that are going to breach the most they're which, very busy little yes, whales busy they're little so whales cool. and they're curious they're inquisitive they usually close approach the boat um and they can be little show-offs which we enjoy i do love them mm-hmm. i do have a soft spot in my heart though for the finbacks yes yeah the fins are amazing it's so cool my favorite thing is telling people that they're looking at the second largest animal in the entire world mm-hmm. and then their reactions to that i was always like it's so big mm-hmm. and i'm like yeah they're huge yeah absolutely and they're you so can cool. you can tell how big they are when they exhale so you can the amount of air that's coming from their lungs through their blowhole is is massive so the exhale you know and you can hear that from a distance uh is amazing to hear oh my favorite days are the, like the kind of foggy quiet days when it's flat out there and all of a sudden you just hear that loud exhale and you- <sighs> Like, you know exactly where to look, and it's perfect. It's, oh, my favorite days out there. Yeah, yeah, I absolutely. Yeah, no, and yeah, we definitely have to give love to the fins, too. They are absolutely amazing creatures, the, you know, the greyhounds of the sea. So they are just so graceful, so amazing. And, and you know, mom and baby pa- pairs uh, for those guys, yeah. the, the mom and calf pairs are amazing to see as well. We also have the uh, porpoises that are here year-round. They're yes. yeah, I pretty took, cute. I took my quiz on to see which marine mammal I was, and I turned out to be a harbor porpoise. That checks out. Yep. I was a blue whale. Ah, nice, very nice. I love it. Uh, no, that's awesome. But yeah, no, the harbor porpoises are amazing little guys, and uh, they're just so 
just so cool to see, and they just are everywhere here, which is so cool. We have one of the highest concentrations than anywhere in the world of, of harbor porpoise right here in the Bay of Fundy, so. I have to remind myself sometimes when we go out, people see the harbor porpoise and get so excited, and in my head, I'm like, yeah, it's a harbor porpoise, but then I, like, take a step back, and I'm like, these guys are so cool. Like, I love super them. super cool, super cool, and again, back to the mom and calf pairs, like, you see them with their babies, so cute. They're and so small. So small, yeah, it's, like, super teeny tiny, and uh, usually, you know, traveling together in large groups here in the bay which is really cool to see um lots of food for them um so it's it's amazing to to see them so up close and, and personal and uh sometimes they get intermixed with the white-sided dolphins which is really cool to see too yes the white-sided dolphins i've only seen twice which is insane you sent me a good video two years ago of the white-sided dolphins they every time i've seen them or both you times, were crying in that one too yeah i cry pretty often <laughs> on the boat <laughs> and uh, i just love this job it's so cool to be out there every day seeing all this different marine life but the white-sided dolphins we saw them this summer and it was absolutely insane like they just play with the boat and they just follow you if you're going pretty slow or like yeah. and even if you're going a little bit faster little they bit bow faster. ride sometimes it's yep, so, so cool to see them there like it's just it's like in the movies when you see those pods of dolphins and it's just constantly jumping out jumping out jumping out it's just like very few times is it whale watching as like dramatic as yes. the movies make it seem never yeah, yeah. but that is one time where it always yeah. takes my breath away every time. I'm yeah. just always just... We wow. have, yeah, the Bay of Fundy always always seems to provide, for sure. It does. Now, you mentioned earlier Rudolph, one of our minke whales. So we do have a little bit of a catalog of all these whales that we know. So can you tell us a little bit more about how we identify them, how we keep that? We can, yeah, for sure. So... Um, there, there are so many uh, minkies in our area, which is amazing. Uh, and minkies are actually one of the easier whales to identify here yes. in the bay for us. Um, so we identify the whales based on the shape of their dorsal fin for the most part. Um, so each minky has the fin that's on their back, and it can be shaped uh, differently. It can lean a certain way. It can have certain identifying characteristics. Um, sometimes you can only tell via photo if you're able yeah. to capture a photo, but sometimes they're very very obvious and you can see them you know from a distance who is who so we have one whale that's in our area that's named stumpy uh, so stumpy or slice uh stumpy has been with us and i believe i have seen stumpy in my life i have spent i think 14 summers with stumpy um so stumpy's been around for a long time and he's actually missing his dorsal fin completely so he's very easy to tell from a distance yes um and quite a large minky whale as well. Death. He is, he yep. is quite big. Yep. So definitely a very firm 30 plus feet long. Okay. So yeah. So we try to ID uh, and catalog all of the whales that we see when we're out there. So it's important for us to know who is who, you know, what, what they're up to. Are Absolutely. the whales healthy? Uh, are they moving around? Are they going somewhere else? So what we do is, is we try and get um, photo IDs for all of our species of whales, whether it be minkies, fins, uh, humpbacks, or North Atlantic right whales. Um, and we compile that into a catalog and then we attempt to cross-reference our photos um, with different databases. So minkies, not a lot of research is done on minkies. So, no, not at all. So yeah, so we, we essentially keep our catalog to ourselves so we know who is who, um, how many we've seen, you know, what they're up to. Um, finbacks, again, very little research on finbacks, so we have a finback whale catalog as well. Um, Would you say they're one of the more difficult whales to catalog because they? I find they all have very similar dorsal they fins. Do. There's a couple that I know, like the one that has the slice in it from the, the prop. Yep. And then there's one... Scar. Scar, yeah. There's a couple that I know, but then for the most part I'm kind of like, ah, oh. there's one that makes the weird noise when they 
breathe out. Yep. And other than that, I'm kind of like, this is a fin bag. <laughs> yeah, no, fins can definitely be a lot harder to uh, identify uh, from a distance and, and while you're on board the boat. So a lot of the times for the fins, it, it does need to be photo ID. Um, but another way to identify them other than the dorsal fin is, of course, the blaze, so the white colored pattern that's found on either side of uh, yes. the whale's head. Um, so that can be really difficult and that you really need a photo ID for that. So yeah. finbacks can definitely be much more difficult um, to say who you have there right in front of you when you're aboard the boat. Um, but when you do get a photo, it you know it's fairly easy to, to match up who is who. So we, we keep our photos for our catalog for our finback whales in case down the road there ever is any research that occurs. <laughs> Done on them. <laughs> yeah. Um, we keep um, all of our humpback whale photos um, and we identify those through fluke matcher. Um, so we know, you know where the whales were possibly when they were born yeah. um if they have any say siblings who their parents were well mom, mom who their mom yeah. was um and and things like that so uh that's for the humpback whales and then for the north atlantic great whales um our photos are given um to multiple multiple institutes to try and determine who who we've seen who's in who's the bay who, yeah yeah so with the humpbacks, on. and I believe the North Atlantics as well, you use the pattern on the flukes. So when they're cooperating and the fluke goes up, they have a very distinct pattern on them. Is yes. that the same for the North Atlantic? It's not. So the it's North not. Atlantic right whale is semi-based on um, the shape of the fluke itself, okay. but it's actually based on um, the pattern of the callosities that are on the head. So oh, the growth, right. the growth yes. that are found on the rostrum. Um, so each individual whale um, has... They're essentially whale lice growing in little colonies on their heads called callosities. Very cute. And uh, you're able to identify uh, those whales based on that, and that is much more difficult. So most of the time we leave that to the experts, um, the people that work directly with the New England Aquarium that deal with a lot of the uh, The right whale research. But the humpbacks, as long as they're behaving and the fluke comes up, it's pretty easy to tell who is who. Yeah, it's usually pretty easy. So yeah, the humpbacks, uh, just the underside of the tail, um, and you can tell for the most part who is who, especially if you've had them in the area for a little while. Um, But we do have transients that move through quite quickly so uh, sometimes it can take us a couple days to find out or even years sometimes there's mysteries for whales that you know they've never been recorded or never been logged into a a catalog so we see whales that have never been recorded before which is quite amazing that's super cool it is very cool there is a couple that we know by heart like chevron out there yes and then of course my absolute favorite whale sedge is quite easy to tell without even seeing his fluke he's got that big chunk missing out of his dorsal Mm -hmm. i have a big old soft spot for sedge yeah sedge is an amazing whale so uh Again, like you said, very easy to identify. So Sedge, um, I don't know if he was born that way or or how his dorsal fin looks, like, like the that. reasoning behind that. It does, to me, it looks like a propeller strike. Um, but other than that one mark that's on his dorsal fin, he's he looks very healthy. It doesn't look like that there's been any interactions with boats other than that. And so. he's been around for a couple years now, hey? He has, yeah. I believe he was born in the 80s. Um, that's what I've so, heard. That's yeah, what I've heard, yeah. Yeah, and uh, so Fluke Matcher has a good file on, on Mr. Sedge. So him. Yeah, so we, uh, we enjoy getting to know our whales and sharing that passion with the public as well, which is really important. Because once you get to know uh, a whale, a specific whale, and they can put a name to a whale, um, we find a lot of the times, you know, you're developing bonds, you're making a connection, and that makes people more likely to want to protect that species and the areas that they inhabit. So we really try to promote conservation because that is so important. On the topic of protecting these guys, is there any areas in the Bay of Fundy or around here that is a marine protected area, or is that just all onto the boat captains to be... 
careful. Um, so we stress highly about, uh, you know, being very safe around the whales. And a lot of the times what we do is we'll actually just shut our engines off and let the whales do their thing when nice. they're around us. Um, so that's the best way to do it. So that decreases the amount of uh, noise in the water column. Um, and it really makes the whales feel more comfortable that they're able to just kind of go about their daily life, which is what we want. Um, in terms of marine protected areas, I believe that there are proposals in for marine protected areas in the Bay of Fundy right now, but I'm not sure what their statuses are for You'd those. I think that since it's such like an area of abundance of mm -hmm. things, of animals, they would have something on the go for mm -hmm. it. So hopefully that comes out. Hopefully, yeah. And it, I think they're in the works right now. They're in discussions with um, the fishing industries and things like that because there are a lot of uh, people that have connections to the area and will need to have their say in, in how the government oh, regulates the area. Yeah. Um, so being a woman in science, how, how has that, like, do you love it? In ocean science, like, yes. it's the best, right? Yes, yeah. So um, it is one of the most rewarding jobs in the entire world uh, to take people out and to show them things that they might necessarily never see in their lifetime. Absolutely. Um, so to be that conduit is just, you know, you can, you, I go home at the end of the day and I feel fulfilled and happy and ecstatic and uh, that I'm able to share my life and what, you know, I've gotten to grow up with, um, with people from all around the world. So I think, uh, you know, just being able to do this as a job is, is a dream come true. It's so cool. And we've both said multiple times that we both feel so much more at home whenever we're near or on the water. And Absolutely. it's just, we could be anywhere in the world, but if we're near the water, we're happy. It's, that's right. It feels like home. That's right. I love it. Yeah. Marine science is, is definitely home and uh, the ocean is, is where we're meant to be. It's so cool. It's the best. And the Bay of Fundy is pretty great itself. It is. Lots of different things to see here. Definitely. You're, you did your master's, I believe, on the intertidal zone, which you said is kind of how you got into this. So you did something with sea urchins, I, I did, yep. So my master's was based on um, actually integrated multitrophic aquaculture. So it's the integration so like, of different in English, species. Yeah. yeah, so it's the integration <laughs> of different species into an aquaculture site to essentially make its own little ecosystem. Um, yes. So it's utilizing alternate species to take away any waste that you're seeing coming off of a salmon farm. So my portion of my master's degree was actually looking at urchins and then how they consume uh, fecal material that come from salmon. That's super cool. That's a big topic here because it's we do a have huge, huge, huge topic. Lots of salmon farms around. We do, yes. So salmon farming is, is huge in the Bay of Fundy and it's actually um, one of the first places in Canada to start farming. Really? Um, yeah, so back in the 80s, I believe the early 80s, they started salmon farming here. Um, so yeah, so uh, the science that's behind the industry is amazing and it's new and evolving all the time, which is which is really, really cool. So again, my little component was looking at how urchins can reduce the impacts of salmon farms on the surrounding waters, so, which is really cool. That's really cool. Mm -hmm. I love that. Yes. I didn't know that really. Yeah. I knew that you kind of done something about that, but I never really like, I should yeah. ask you about more stuff. Yeah, I, I cut up a lot of sea urchins. <laughs> Gross. I love them. They're so weird. When you hold them in your hands, you can, like, feel them. Oh. Feel them, yeah, yeah. Their spines moving as they walk along. And um, the Aristotle's lantern I always thought was so cool. I used to find them on the beach when I was little, and I always wanted to know, you know, what they were and, and what was going on. And uh, to find out that that was actually their little mouth with their little beak, their little five-pointed beak underneath. And so, you know, as as I grew up and became, you know, a little bit more in-depth in science, I, I still love urchins, but they're not so fun to dissect all the time. <laughs> we do have the touch tank on the boat where we, we usually have the sea urchins and the sea stars and they're among other things. Yeah. 
And one of my favorite things is when people are holding it, I'll be like, so its teeth are actually on your hand right now. And I have had a couple sea urchins tossed up in the air. Yep. Luckily, I'm very quick and can catch them. Yes. We, yeah. We uh, have had a couple casualties, however. Uh, yes, unfortunately. But yeah, no, we try to be as gentle as possible. We do. We love it. And it's so cool to see kids' faces, getting them really like... I've had kids Engaged, all, like yeah. on the boat leaving be like, I want to be a marine biologist yes, now, which is yes. honestly my favorite thing to hear. I'm like, yeah, do it, please. We need more of you. Mm-hmm. We need more people mm-hmm. to care about the environment. That is one of my favorite things to hear. I love it. There's a couple kids that I've met and I'm still in touch with them. And one of them was convinced when she left. She's like, I am being the next to you. And I was like, I have never been so flattered. And she's like, just the marine biology part though. And I was like, okay, <laughs> I understand that much. Yeah, no, it's it's amazing to see the sparks in their eyes when it comes to, you know, like the love and the passion and wanting to know more. Um, yeah. And so that's what we love to see. They're very inquisitive mm-hmm. kids. And mm-hmm. I always get asked in the boat, they're like, don't you get annoyed by asking, or like all these kids asking questions? I'm like, no, I love it. Because mm-hmm. you see that like uh, switch flip, like just mm-hmm. like, this is what I care about now. Yeah. And it's so cool. And they get to learn so much. And they and make that connection. Yeah. Seeing their eyes light up or hearing the gas when they see their first whale or like a couple times we've seen a shark on the boat. Kids have been like screaming with excitement and it's just. Other than you. Yeah. Someone other than me crying and screaming <laughs> is amazing to have on the boat. And like just to see these kids so excited and just loving it makes me so excited for like the next generation of marine mm. biologists to come. Yeah, no, it, uh, it's such an amazing feeling to be able to share your passion and your love uh, for what you do uh, and, and to have that reciprocated uh, in the general public, which is, which is really amazing. Not many professions, you can say, uh, provides you with that opportunity. Absolutely. So with that being said, what would be your advice to someone who wants to get started in marine biology or to any young kids listening that want to pursue this how do they do it just be curious get out there you know go explore your natural environment whether it be the intertidal zone whether it be the forest whether it be you know your local park Um, just get out there and explore ask questions don't be shy Um, you know don't be scared everything uh, is out there for us to explore and uh, there are people that want you to learn more and uh, hopefully one day all these young people that are up and coming, you know, will be the future leaders and the future uh, people that are advocating for, you know, healthy ecosystems and healthy animals. So I love it. Well, thank you so, so much, Nicole. I'm so excited that you were on this podcast. I loved having you on. Thank you again. Well, thank you so much for having me. It was uh, my first podcast. So mine I think, too. <laughs> yeah, I, I think you did absolutely amazing and oh, I can't good. wait to, uh, to hear everything that you do. Oh, I'm so excited. We have a lot of big things planned for this podcast. So yeah. that's, that's really exciting, but, um, I can't wait to work with you again this summer and get that all going again. I'm so excited. Come visit Island Quest. We would love to have you. Yes. Yeah. We open uh, the first week of June. So Jill and I will be waiting for you. We will. So before we leave, do you have any social media you'd like to plug? Like the Island Quest pages? Yeah. So um, if you're interested in any um, of our whale watching stuff, then you can find us online at Facebook at Island Quest Whale and Wildlife Cruises. You can also find us online um, on our website, Island Quest. Um, islandquestwhaleandwildlifecruises.com yes. <laughs> I'm quite sure it's a long one if you just type in islandquest it'll come up um, but uh, if you're interested in any of the shark stuff you can find us on our Facebook page um, St. Andrew Sport Fishing uh, and any questions uh, that don't reach me and uh, reach Jill she will always pass them along to me absolutely and I will have all those linked in the, the description of this podcast so thank you again Nicole awesome. thanks Jill I am truly so happy that Nicole was the first guest on this podcast. She's really played a big part in me finding my direction of what I want to do and has taught me so much about whales and sharks and the Bay of Fundy in general. And I'm so happy that she agreed to come on and share her knowledge here. 
So you can find any notes from this podcast listed in the description below, along with all of our social medias, as well as that for Island Quest and St. Andrew's Sport Fishing. We'd love for you to follow along on both of those and hopefully see you guys next time. Thank you guys so much for listening. Stay salty.